morning. It's a good day to be alive. Anybody? This is my husband, Elisha, if you guys don't know who he is. He's so handsome. He's even more handsome when his beard is gone. <laughs> Actually, babe, could you hand me my uh, phone? I will not be taking pictures, but sometimes my uh, notes will fly away, so I have a little paperweight up here with me when I preach. Anyway, guys, I am so blessed to be with you this morning. If I haven't got a, gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Kari Ahern. I'm one of the assisting pastors here at Puget Sound Christian Center. Pastor Lance is on vacation this week, and I say it every time. I am so glad we have a pastor who knows how to have a Sabbath. Amen? It is, I have seen, and maybe you have seen too, many, many pastors who have neglected that, and it has led to burnout and, and, and just disillusion of the church. So I'm so grateful to be able to bless him and say, take some rest. Last week, we were able to kick off our Remember series. Pastor Heather kicked off that series talking about, um, really the Remember series is talking about what God has done in us in the last year. Do you know our church calendar starts in September? And in September, Pastor Lance will pray and bring a word saying, this is where I believe God is taking us in the next year. This week, we're actually going to remember, we're going to reflect on that theme. The theme this year was called Your Move. You may have seen the banners around the church. Your Move. We're going to reflect on what God has done in us this year, what that theme means, and where we go from here. So I will say the message this morning is probably more really to our church. If you are a member of Puget Sound Christian Center, if you call us your home, this is for you. If you are here and this isn't in your normal church, maybe you're visiting or you're here for the first time, I just want to say this is for you too. There's going to be some stuff that I'm talking about today that just has to speak to our church, but God's truth is God's truth. Amen? It speaks to all of us, and, his, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will make it applicable to every person in this room. Will you pray with me? God, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray that as, uh, God, as we are speaking this morning, God, I pray that your spirit would settle on us like the smoke that has been in Tacoma, that it would be, we could not get away from it. And God, thank you that your spirit is restorative, not destructive. God, that you would come here, we would be able to see you, we'd be able to feel you, and that every other presence would leave in Jesus' name. God, we trust you. We do look to you, God. You are good. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, when I think about the theme, your move, I always think about my pets. I have pets. This is a big deal, okay? I have to tell you the backstory. I, until recently, would have considered myself not to be an animal lover, and I know that that is polarizing to some people, because some of you are, like, the most compassionate, loving people on the planet. Like, you eat cereal with your dog in the morning, and you're both, like, drinking the same milk. Like, some of you are enmeshed with your animals. I'm looking at you, Lucci. You love your dog. Now, my husband, Elisha, grew up with um, the perfect dog named Anna. Anna was a golden retriever. Anna, they lived in Graham and had just enough property to spread out. And Anna was loyal and fun. All the stories I hear about Anna was that Anna was the perfect dog. They could have made a movie about Anna. And I know in my husband's heart, I know that I'm his top love, but like very barely edged out to Anna. Like Anna was incredible. I did not grow up with animals. My family was really liked animals, but we didn't um, have enough time to be at home. We just never could take care of a pet to its fullest potential, and so we just didn't have them growing up. And I kind of grew up with maybe like um, some fear of some specific animals that I basically didn't interact with much. I mean, of course, there's like bears and stuff. That's scary. But also like cats. 
Cats are very scary. They have ulterior motives, and they're, pl and they're, and they're plotting destruction. We all know it. The other one, and this is still very present in my life, I'm not going to lie, is birds. And I don't need to explain why. Obviously, some of them can talk. That's weird. Second, they have reptilian claws. Like, let's think about this for a minute. That is terrifying. Swans kill people. So I have always been uncomfortable around some of them. I loved everyone else's pets, but just maybe not in my home. And so when Elisha and I got married, the animal lover that he is... We, grew, we talked about, like, do we want pets for our children? And I was like, definitely. I saw the benefit. I was like, yes. I want my children not to have, like, the anxieties that I have. Like, it's better for their immune systems. There's a lot of good stuff there. I just don't want to do it. You know, like, I just don't actually want to do the work of having, like, I mean, come, come on, people. Think about this. A non-human form is coming around the corner in the middle of the night making noise. That really freaked me out. But then last year... We're at Nate and Chelsea's house. They're in the back there. We're at their house, and their cat had kittens. And, like, Law is playing with them. Our son, he's two. I'm pregnant, and Elisha, like, looks at me, and he's like, this is happening. And I was like, this will never happen. <laughs> and, of course, it happened. The cat came to our house, and I have to say, I love my cat so much. It rules. This is the best cat in the world. I don't know about your cat. Your cat it still kind of freaks me out, but my cat is awesome. And now, a year later, our biggest fear about the cat is that it's going to get into the chicken coop. Yes, we have chickens now, and quails. These are birds, mind you. These are birds that freak me out so much I don't touch them. I look at them through the coop cage, watch them run around, um, and maybe one day I'll get past my fear. But I found that I may have seen the benefit of what pets could do for my family. My children love them. My husband loves them. And I love having them around. But I had to take a step forward. I had to basically decide, like, okay, no matter what I feel inside, I'm going to start moving. And I know that when it happens, the love is going to flow. The benefits are going to flow. And that's the truth. In a couple months, we're getting some bunnies. Those also freak me out. But I know that I'm going to love these rabbits so much. If you'd like to come over to Ahern Estate Farms, come on over. It's awesome. I think that it really is that way in our walks with God, though. When we talk about your move, it's so similar to when we are standing on the edge of indecision or of decision, and we have the opportunity to leave what's behind us. Sometimes we come to that place and we go, I don't, am I actually going to do it? I see the benefit on the other side, but we all live in this moment, don't we? That moment where we decide, am I going to take a step forward or am I going to stay where I am? That's the essence of what your move is about. We're talking about the theme of the year. And, you know, God speaks to us as a church. He speaks to us on a corporate level, us all collectively together. In our society, we really are very me-centered. We think about how God is speaking to me. But in the Bible, we see all the time that God speaks to the church as a whole, to the nation as a whole. And every one of us make up that bigger picture. So when God spoke at the beginning of the year and he said, Church... You are standing on the edge of the Jordan River. Our, our verses come out of the book of Joshua. When Moses had just died and the nation of Israel was about to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And they had waited for a long time before they made that move. And they, the, the scripture that we look at is that moment of decision. Will they take the step forward? Is it finally time to move? Joshua 1, 1 through 9 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant... 
the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, now that my servant Moses is dead, you must lead my people across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised to Moses. Everywhere you go, I will be, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev Desert in the south to the Lebanon Mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River on the east to the Mediterranean Sea on the west, and all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand their ground against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them, and you will be successful in all you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Last year, Pastor Lynch launched us with basically these words saying, Church, I believe that God has brought us to the edge of the Jordan River. And we have the opportunity to stay where we've been. But perhaps in your life, that is your addiction. That is abuse. That is negative relationships. Those thinking patterns that get you tripped up every time. That's behind you. Before you stands the land I've promised you. A land of blessing. A land of freedom. It's going to be hard, but I want to take you there to bless you. And Pastor Lance said, church, are you ready to make a move? Are you ready to step forward? You know, it's interesting. Um, He moved us, didn't he? If you've been here at Puget Sound Christian Center in the last year, I think we can all recognize that God has done some major moves in our midst, some shifting, some changing, some things that none of us saw coming. You know, some of them are really, really obvious in the, in the natural. In the last year, we have sent off two of our most loved pastoral families to lead and serve other churches, locally and overseas. And in response, the Lord provided five new members of our pastoral staff, people who came and said, I want to serve the mission of PSCC. I want to serve the people in this church. And if you have not gotten to know our new pastoral staff members, we have Justin and Christina Stover, John and Gina Erickson, and John Hahn. These are people that are seasoned. These are no rookies. When they came into our midst, those of us that have been getting to know them have said, oh my gosh, God is, God is big in you. I trust you. God is doing a good thing in you. These are quality people. When we didn't know where God would provide, God provided in multiplication, didn't he? He provided more than we thought that we could ever need. And as a result, our ministries have grown, our relationships have shifted. There has been some moving around in our church. But you know what else has happened? The ministry that has come out of Puget Sound Christian Center has multiplied across the world. Do you know that? Spiritual lineage is a thing. God, will, the work that God has been doing in us in the past years is now being sent out to other places, and that blesses us abundantly. Amen. New ministries have been birthed in our church in the last year. I have seen deeper discipleship and teaching within our church than I had ever seen before. This last year has been one of deep, deep impact. And I, and I have to tell you, this is from my perspective, but I just have to give you a report. I have seen more choices of sacrificial humility within this church in the last year than I've ever seen before. I've seen person after person, it can bring me to tears, I've seen person after person after person say, I'm, I'm going to lay my life down for the sake of the kingdom, and I'm going to lift someone else up no matter what it costs me. 
I've seen it in our church. I've seen it in our staff. And I have to know that the seeds that are being planted in these days will come to a great fruition. The work that God has started, he is faithful to complete. But I have to, this is turning the page. I have to tell you, last year at this time, as I was preparing this message, God, maybe not God, no, I'm going to take that way, not God. I remembered something that happened last year. Omar and I were sitting in his office, and we were talking about the theme of the coming year. And Omar and I had worked together on a number of themes over the year with, you know, we would talk about, okay, this theme this year is linked. God says that he wants to link our people, so we're going to encourage people to get into small groups. And then on the other side, we would say, okay, now this year is make room, and we feel like God's giving us the make room mandate, and these are five areas that God wants us to make room in. And Omar and I were talking and saying, you know, we don't really have one of those. What kind of theme is this? And I don't know who said it first, but you know when you have one of those conversations with someone and they like say something and you're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. We agreed that we kind of thought that Lance missed it on your move. And that's me being really, really honest. Omar and I were like, so we don't think that this is it. And we kind of looked at each other like, yeah, no. Um, And I was like, should we push back on it? And Omar said, basically exactly what I was thinking was, we trust our senior pastor. We trust our lead pastor. Lance has, is a trustworthy man. We know his heart is after God. And so we're going to submit to this vision, to this word for the coming year. And both Omar and I had the opportunity to preach during the sermon, during the theme launch. And so the Lord spoke to us as well as we were doing that. But what Omar and I did not see was that this theme wasn't like any other theme. Every other theme has been an initiative or an inspiration. This theme this year was a prophetic picture. It was a prophetic word for our church. And that's different. It's funny because when I called, because of course I called Lance and Omar this week saying, hey, can I share this story? Because of course that's not the most flattering story in the world. And they both said, yes. First of all, tell people that you can have disagreement in leadership and still submit and honor one another. Second of all, they were both so blown away. When I started repeating back to them, I said, I listened to the theme launch from last year. Do you know what God said during that time? God said, he, in, the, in the sermons we heard, if you're going to go, if you want to go where you've never been, you've got to do what you've never done. God said, I'm going to pour out blessing and promises that I gave you long ago, but it's going to be uncomfortable and you've got to move. God said, I am moving, basically whether you like it or not, are you coming with me? And we also heard that there will be some that will want to move forward into the promises of God and those that will stay will be stuck on the other side of the river. There are some hard words within that theme launch. And I was in tears multiple times listening through to the things that God said all the way back in September. Because I have to tell you, church, in September, we had no idea what God was bringing this year. But God was faithful to lead us. God was faithful to give us that picture before we got there. And so when I was telling Lance and Omar about this, Lance was, was actually like teary-eyed, like in tears, saying, oh my gosh, God is so faithful. God is so good. Amen, church? Do we serve a good God? Do we serve a good God who who says, I will go before you, I will go behind you, I will go with you. You will never escape my presence when you move with me. You know, but I do want to slow down at this moment. I want to take a moment to stop because I'm saying things about prophetic words. And the word prophetic or prophecy or prophet Everybody who hears that has kind of like a picture of maybe what that looks like. And maybe for you, it's just like, I don't know, like, uh, who was Neo, right? Like, you know, like that, like, what, what was that movie? Matrix, that's it. In the Matrix, 
Think about like the matrix. Or you think about something like um, a specific person in a church that you were in one time. You think about people on TV. Or maybe for you it's very personal. You've experienced it in your life. But everybody comes from a different perspective when we all think we're coming from the same perspective. So this morning, I want to kind of break down a little bit about what is prophecy. Because if God is giving us prophetic words, then I think we should know what it is. Amen? So first of all, the di- if you look at like the dictionary talking about what prophecy is, it definitely attributes it to one person. It, it, it says it's a prophet who wrote the Bible, or maybe it's a religious leader. But that's not what the biblical definition of prophecy is. Prophecy means basically to speak forth. And what's interesting is that prophecy, we often in church will think of it as um, like predictive events. On this day, this thing will happen. Later this week, you, this will happen to you. But that's actually not how it's used in the Bible. In the Bible, when it's speaking it out, you're declaring and forthtelling the will and the counsel of God. The idea basically being that God's will, his, his, his love, his truth is existent. And there will be moments where God will bring something to your heart or to your mind where you speak out that truth. You speak out that will. You bring some interpretation, some direction toward a person in their life. But it's not coming out of thin air. It's coming from the basis of the word of God. It's coming from the truth of what Jesus has done for us. And you're speaking it out. So how does... How does that work practically? How do people get prophetic words? Well, very, very, very simply, and I just have to say, guys, it's normal in church. It's common in church. There's sometimes there's fear attached to it, but the moment that you're in the middle of it, you're like, oh, this is the most natural thing in the world. Because this is what God has created for us to do as Christians, is to hear his voice. Do you know that every Christian has the potential and ability to hear the voice of God? It is, um, and in that moment, when we hear the voice of God, he speaks truth to us that we couldn't have known otherwise. And then when we speak it out, that would be considered the prophetic. The Bible says that, that his sheep know his voice, and another voice they will not follow. We see over and over and over in the Bible, we can, if, if the Bible is the foundation that we stand on, what about the people in it? The people in the Bible had no problem talking to God. You see over and over, people would speak to God, and God would speak right back to them. It was just totally normal, and no one freaked out about it. No one was like, oh, wow, God talked to me. It was just like, yeah, of course God talked to me. God's there. He's in my life. These were people who were not considered prophets. Now, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we live in the forever right now, don't we? We live in today right now. So therefore, God can speak to us. Now, it may take some practice recognizing what the voice of God sounds like. The Bible says it's still a small voice. Oftentimes when I'm listening for the voice of God, I'll say, God, would you speak to me? And I'll kind of tell myself, like, hey, Kari, shut up. Stop talking. And then I'll say, and in Jesus' name, I'm not listening to anything else. God, would you silence other voices? I want to hear your voice, God. And it's a still, small voice, a still, small knowing of what God is speaking. And when God speaks something to us that we couldn't know otherwise, and it's the truth, that's the prophetic. It's very... When you're walking with God, when you have a relationship with God, it's very not scary when it happens. In fact, I've talked to so many people who have said, I don't believe that prophecy is for today, but I'm a Christian. And then they'll describe something else that happened, and I'm like, do you realize that was prophetic? Because God spoke to you about this situation. What is the purpose 
of prophecy. We'll talk about that in a moment, but first, actually, I do want to take a moment to look at what the Bible says about prophecy, because it's from beginning until the end. Moses said he hoped that everyone would be able to prophesy. God gave him words of prophecy, and he said, man, I hope everybody will be able to do this. In Joel, Joel was a prophet, and he prophesied that in the last days, everyone, all Christians would be able to do it. He said, and afterward, I'll pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Jesus himself, God in Abad, here on earth, said, I'm a prophet, I'm God, but I'm speaking God's truth. In fact, he was a prophet embodied because he was the word of God in flesh. And he also referred back to human prophets in the Old Testament. He was affirming what they said in the Old Testament, him here on earth. And after Jesus went up to heaven, something changed. Before that, in the Old Testament, because the relationship with God had, was, was on a different covenant, a different contract. There was sin in our lives, and we couldn't be near God. And that's why, that's why Jesus came, to forgive our sins so that we could have relationship with God. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and be on somebody. They would come down to descend and be on someone, and then they would speak out what God's truth was. But after Jesus came, forgave our, died, rose again, forgave our sins, and went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down so that all Christians who have accepted Jesus would have the Holy Spirit inside them. And that's why today we see prophecy so commonly within the Christian church, because the Holy Spirit is inside all of us, and we all have the ability to talk to God. It doesn't make us, I mean, it's special because of what Jesus has done for us, but it's not uncommon. Peter encouraged prophecy in 1 Peter 4.11. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as they speak the very words of God. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians, said that it isn't within the potential of every believer. He said, for all prophecy, oh, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone will be instructed and encouraged. So what is the purpose of prophecy? Why would God speak to our hearts? Why would God say things to us so that we can speak it out when we already have the Bible? Why, do, why would God do that in the first place? And if you get a prophetic word, if someone comes to you and says, I feel like God said this to you and I want to speak it to you, how do you know if it's really prophecy? How do you know if it's really from God? Because prophecy can be twisted. Cults come out of prophecy People will follow a prophetic word over God's word, and they get way off track. How do you know if you see a prophetic word? Well, do you know the purpose is for hearing and speaking words of love? How do we know that? Because God is love. So what he speaks is full of love. Perhaps there's a moment of correction, but if that happens and someone comes to you and says, God said this, to you, it should be already happening inside of you. It should be an affirmation. It should be affirming something. What the, what it, because it's truth, it should already be inside of your mind. It should already be inside of your heart. And when someone says, I have a prophetic word for you, and they speak it out, you should be able to say, oh, yeah, that's right. And why would God have someone else bring it? Because in that moment, we get to know that he sees everything. And he is ready to answer every one of our needs. It should drive us to worship him, stir within us. And it keeps us, the scripture actually says that, that prophecy, without it, we may become passive and neglectful of our walks with God. Now, 
I have had people come to me and say, I ha- God said this about you, and it's been very wrong. And it's incredibly confusing. I one time, I won't go into details because that's distracting. Um, I had someone pull me aside when I was a teenager and say, I feel like God wants me to pray for you to remove this thing in your life. And she called me an ugly name. And then she prayed for me. And I, as I'm 14, and I'm going, okay. And this was an adult. And I was going, okay. That doesn't resonate with me. I know that that's not who I am. I know that's not my intention. But that person must have heard from God, so maybe God sees that thing in me. And I lived for years with that in the back of my mind, thinking, God, do you call me that? And years later, in mat- when I came into more spiritual maturity, I was able to see really clearly, like, oh, she was way off. That was not from the Lord. She was manipulating me. She was trying to control me, and she used God as as the basis of it. Now, an appropriate thing for her would have to do would have to pull me aside and say, hey, I see this in your life. Is this happening? And then I could say, no. And then we could move on. But instead, she said, God told me. And some of that has happened to you. And I just want to say, if that's happened to you, God sees your heart. And a prophetic word should bring fruit. There should be an understanding and, an under- and a knowing. And when we look at, like, your move, for example, our theme, can we say there was fruit? God spoke something, and it happened. So we can say, that was right on. Thank you, God, for telling us. Prophetic words are for, are for instruction and encouragement. Now, are there guidelines? Yes, I already kind of, I already kind of um, touched on some of those. But the Holy Spirit gives guidelines for all gifts of the Spirit. Do you know that there are more gifts that God will give when you're a follower of Christ? And I don't have enough time to get into them. But all gifts that God gives... He puts guidelines on. He puts parameters on and boundaries on. The first one always being, does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with the heart of God? God doesn't want to call you some nasty name. Does it line up with those things? But also, we need to submit to our spiritual authority. Those guidelines keep us from anybody overtaking someone else so that every gift that God gives can be brought to the table and have its usefulness. I mean, you saw that with, with Omar and I when we were talking and saying, we think Lance missed it, but you know what? We're going to submit and we're going to wait because we trust that God is speaking through him, and God was. Had we, what if we had tried to overtake that? What if we would have said, we know that God said that this is not right? What would we as a church would have missed? That love and instruction, that encouragement to run after him. Now, at the beginning of the year, God said, it's your move. Are you going to do it? Puget Sound Christian Center, are you going to do it? I have to say, in prayer this, this week, I just have felt over and over again just the pleasure of God to say, yeah, you did. You stood at the edge of the Jordan and you said, I'm going to take a step forward. And as a church, we have seen that happen. So what happened to the Israelites when they took a step forward into the Jordan River? Because we always, again, want to go back to Scripture and see what God has done, what God is speaking Well, when the Israelites moved into the Jordan River, the Jordan River was at flood stage. This is in Joshua 3, 15 through 17, and it says, Now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a a heap at a distance, a great distance away in a town called Adam. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, or the Dead Sea, was cut off. So the people crossed 
to opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This week, as I was praying, I kept asking God, okay, God, now that we're in the promised land, and I felt like God said, nope, stop. You're not in the promised land yet, church. We're in the middle of the Jordan. We're still crossing We're still in the process. We're still going across. And being in the middle of the Jordan, it can be disorienting. Because there's the land behind you, the place that you knew, your home for the last 40 years. And if you know anything about the nation of Israel in that desert, you know that that was a miraculous land to begin with because they were set free from slavery. We give the desert such a bad rap, but it's not like that all the time. God met them in the desert. But you look back on the desert and you say, okay, I'm not there anymore. And you look forward to the promised land and you say, I'm not there yet. Where am I? This can bring moments of doubt, discouragement, confusion. But do you know what's so interesting about the middle of the Jordan? You're on no ground at all. You're on borrowed ground. We're on transitional ground. We're on miraculous ground. The ground that we stand on today is a miracle because of what God is doing in our church, taking us from one place to another, but we're not staying here for long. When Israel crossed over the Jordan River, they looked down and they saw miracles of a river stop flowing and mud dry up so that they could walk over a whole entire nation of people walking across. It was miraculous, but I can bet it was very disorienting. Church, I believe that God is saying that we are about to move into a new season. A new season. And when we do that, sometimes it feels like the world is shaking, but really we're settling. We're not settling for second best. We're settling a new land. We're settling a new place. We may feel ourselves moving around, but it's because we're claiming some new place that God said, I'm going to take you there. I promise we're going to a land of blessing. When you have a prophetic word from God, when God speaks something to you or speaks something through someone else to you and says, this is where I want to take you, there will be moments in the journey where you wonder where you are. But in that moment, we have to go back to the original word and say, okay, God, what did you say was going to happen at the end of this? What did you say? Where did you say you were taking us? At the beginning of the year, when we talked about where God was taking us, and I believe Lance gave us some prophetic words about where we were going. He said that the place we're going is where maturity is discovered. It's where healing is poured out. Some of, some of us are beat up from the battle, not just now, but in the years past, but we're going into a place where healing is discovered. Health is normal. We're not talking about the occasional health. All of us, we're healthy, we're mature in our walks with God. Peace is plentiful. We get to slay the giant and land. And, and you know, in, in it, with Israel, when they got to the promised land, there were a lot of giants to slay. And I think that that still definitely exists. I don't want to downplay that. But can I remind you that the battle is won because of Jesus' blood? We don't have to fight the way that they fought. We don't have to go through the cycles that they went through because we stand on a different foundation. The foundation of Jesus rising from the dead, going back to heaven. The battle is won. We're there. We're teaming up with him. He's giving us the promised land. The Bible says, when we go back to Joshua 1, it says that, that 
Everywhere you go, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand their ground against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I love this part. This just so speaks to my heart. I will never fail you or abandon you. Do you know God said that to us, church? I will never fail you or abandon you. The enemy would try to tell you that he's gone. The enemy would try to tell you in the night that you would say, God, where are you? Are you even there? And the enemy would say, he's gone like you thought he would go. And God's saying, no, I am with you every single step of the way. I will never leave you. I am with you. In Joshua, it says, you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. There are some promises that have traveled down generations in your family that some of you are going to see for the first time. Things that you had hoped for from the time you were a child that your parents had hoped for and they didn't get to see. And God's saying, I'm going to bless you now. And the Lord is with us wherever we go. Now, church, it's hard to keep moving. But the blessing, the faithfulness, the miraculous, it's right along with us because God is with us. At the beginning of this year, the Lord said, I'm going to move. Will you move with me? Church, I want to move with him. Do you want to move with him? Do you want to go where he's going? You may not have a vision for what the miraculous looks like or what the promised land looks like, but God does have that vision. And I have this sense in my heart that this next year is going to be a year that we will see a new land. We will see a new place to be. And our relationships with God are going to flourish. It's not that they didn't exist before, but this is a time where we're going to see blessing in a way we've never seen it before. There may be trials, but there will be victories. And the victories will be a lot louder than than the trial. But will you pray with me this morning? Because I really just feel like God wants to encourage our hearts. The purpose of prophecy, the purpose of God speaking to our hearts is reassurance that his love is here. So right now, will you you pray with me as we seek him? Oh God, you are so good. God, I thank you that the seeds that have been planted will come to fruition, God. God, I thank you that you complete the good work that you started. And God, I thank you that in this moment in time, as we are walking across the Jordan, it will become a picture of your faithfulness for generations to come. That we can look back on this moment in time and say, God, you are here. We knew you loved us. We knew you saved us. But God, this moment, we feel you closer than ever. God, I pray to the discouraged heart here this morning. God, I pray for that person. And I just pray, God, that you would come in with your love and your encouragement, your refreshment. God, I pray that you would help that you would open our eyes to see all that you have done. And God, I pray for those here this morning that are saying, yes, this is a whole church word, this is a corporate word, but it's also personal to me. I want to leave the land of addiction behind. I want to move into freedom. I want to leave the land of unhealthy behaviors behind and I want to move into freedom. God, I thank you that it is for freedom. You have set us free and that that the chains are broken in your blood in Jesus' name. God, would you help us to move forward? And Lord, I pray that the word that you've spoken would stay with us and we'd be able to see where you're taking us. In your name we pray, amen. I love you, church.